Woodmont has a long, strong tradition of sending teams out on mission to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And this summer was no exception. We were able, by God's grace and for His glory, to send two teams, one to Guatemala for the second year in a row, a trip that was led by Leon Phillips and Carlos Rusalin, and then another team to Dominica, not the Dominican, not Dominica, but Dominica is how you pronounce it, a tiny island nation where 80% of the structures on the island were severely damaged by Hurricane Maria. Guatemala is a country that's plagued by third world issues that uh, we all have seen and experienced uh, in, in Guatemala now in country and desperately in need of health care. We were able to provide a health clinic there. And the way our partnership with Guatemala, let me just tell you briefly, came about, we decided to go last year, our missions committee decided to partner with the Tennessee Baptist Convention in putting a team together to go with the TBC to Guatemala. It was a great experience, but as we were in that meeting with the missions committee, Carlos Ruslan, who's about to come and tell you a little bit more about this, he said, oh, hey, I'm, I'm from Guatemala. And we said, really, that's, that's amazing. And then we started talking to the representatives from the TBC about what was going on in Guatemala, and they said that we had two options. We could partner with a church that was in Guatemala City, or we could go to a rural area. And Carlos said, hey, I'm from Guatemala City. We said, really? Well, let's just do that. It seems like the Lord's calling us to minister in Guatemala City. So we told the TBC we want to stay in the city, and they said, great, we want you to work with a church called Macedonia Baptist Church. And Carlos said, hey, my uncle planted that church and is the pastor of that church currently. <laughs> Just one thing after another. It was amazing how the Lord connected us to Carlos's family. So this year, we just kind of skipped the TBC and went directly with Carlos's family, who treated us so well, who were so kind and hospitable and welcoming, and we are so grateful to all your tios and tias and everyone who, uh, your sobrinos, and is that the word for cousin? Is that, no, what's the word for cousin? That's nephew. That's grandchildren. Primos. <laughs> Primos, your primos, who uh, were so kind to us and who, who treated us so well. So please welcome Carlos Ruslan. Apparently I have grandchildren, so <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, it is my, uh, my happy honor to, uh, to address you this morning. Uh, I'm not going to give a testimony. I really want uh, two of our members uh, to speak about that. Uh, we're going to have uh, Lynn Weiser uh, first and then uh, Jessica Bure. Um, just a real quick report. Uh, we were able to see over 400 patients. As you guys know, we take a team of doctors, nurses, optometrists, and other people like me who, uh, whose only skill is I speak Spanish. Um, to, uh, to kind of help the community out, and this is really just kind of an outreach for the church to, uh, to kind of go out into the neighborhood, bring some of them in, uh, and introduce them to the church, and, and has been very, uh, uh, this is now our second year uh, partnering with Macedonia in this capacity, and has been really a, 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 a great tool for them to kind of reach out into the community. Uh, like I said, we've been able to see over 400 patients, had 136 professions of faith. Uh, glory be to God. Uh, for that. Um, so I just wanted to say uh, a real quick thank you for your support, for your prayers. They were absolutely felt. Um, but let's go ahead and hear uh, a little bit uh, about the trip. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lynn Weiser. 
Um, this was my first mission trip ever, and um, it was also my first year of retirement. And I'm going to have to be careful not to get distracted by the slideshow. I haven't seen it. Um, this was my first year of retirement, so I thought this is perfect. I want to do this in my first year of retirement. Um, and in February, that sounded amazing. I was so excited. But as time went on, I grew more anxious because I've never been on a mission trip. I like to be in control. I like to know what's coming. And so I really started to worry about really important things like, am I going to be able to get my coffee every day? Um, is it going to get it in the morning when I really need it? Then I heard about a volcano, people dying, and I'm like, what in the world? And then I hear, of course, I know about drug cartels. So I'm like going, what in the world have you gotten yourself into? This is not the thing for you to do. But um, then about, um, that was about a month in, about two, three weeks in, um, Bobby approached me, Miss, my precious Bobby Dunn, approached me and asked me to be the secretary of the eye clinic. Now, um, Bobby explained to me in great detail that I would have a notebook and I would write down the patient's name, the prescription the doctor said the person needed, and then what we filled. And I'm like, okay. So I went home that night, and I told Ted, I'm like, I think I have a really boring job on this mission trip. I, I, it's not exciting. I, I, I'm writing names down. And Ted asked me, did you think you were going to be doing surgery on the mission trip? <laughs> and I said, no, we're not doing surgery. So I knew I wouldn't. But, um, but, but anyway, I, then I started thinking, you know, I could build a spreadsheet. I could take my iPad. I could write it in my iPad. I could sort it. I could do data runs. I could produce reports. So I mentioned my process improvements to Miss Bobby, and she said, you know, you're really not going to have time for that. And what we need is for you to write the name on the notebook. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, that's what I'll do. Then the next thing, um, next little attitude adjustment I needed was um, Bobby told us that, you know, we were taking about 600 pair of glasses. And about 400 of those or 500 even were readers. And I'm like, readers? Everybody has readers? Why, why do we need to take readers there? I mean, they're at the dime store for a dollar, and you know, why, why would we take readers? You know, little did I realize that when you're hungry and when you don't have medicine, you don't buy readers. And these were the people that had, some of them had not had readers in 30 years. So it, God's timing is so perfect. When I was at the height of my anxiety, I started a women's Bible study, Discerning God's Voice. And in that Bible study, um, I think one of the lessons was, you know, that God, you need to do whatever God tells you to do. If that's mop the floor, that's what you need to be doing. And I'm like, I can write the name on the notebook. And, um, and then I also realized that it really was God's voice that came to me in February and told me that I needed to go on this mission trip. And through, I did three out of seven weeks before we went. And um, as I, I began to relax, I began to trust God and know that things were going to be okay. And I even decided, you know, it's not going to really hurt me. Even if I didn't get coffee, I would be okay, maybe. But, um, but who knew Guatemala is famous? I mean, God's plan is perfect. Guatemala is famous for coffee. So I had great coffee. Um, I made a new friend, Katherine Williams, who brought it to me every morning. I don't get that at home. So, uh, so that, that worked out well. And we had a really safe, comfortable house. Um, we had ladies there who cared for us and cooked amazing food for us. And then, of course, we had Carlos's family. And they, were, uh, they treated us like family. They were so good to us. 
But um, I felt God's presence so much while we were at the clinic. And honestly, had I been fooling around on my iPad, I don't know that I would have felt God's presence. Because what I got to do, for one thing, we saw 400 patients. I didn't have time to do anything. I was barely getting the names down. But I was also able to hear people and hear that what the translator, I don't speak Spanish, um, I could hear what the translator said they were saying. And they said a lot more than just about glasses. But um, I was also there when older people broke out into tears of joy because they had not been able to read since for 30, 40 years. And we had a, a Spanish New Testament that we would hand them to read. And I learned one word, claro, and I already knew hola. But, um, but I would say claro, or they would say claro, and we'd ask them to read a few lines just to see if they could see it well. And, and they would keep reading. We'd be going, that's good. That's, we'd try to take the New Testament back. I mean, that's good. That, and and we just have to sit back because they wanted to read the entire chapter because they had not read God's Word in so long. And that was just such, such a great joy. And they would hug us. Um, one day, a lady came that, that was one of the women who were so joyful. And the next day, she brought her husband and a bouquet of flowers for Miss Bobby because um, she was so grateful, so very grateful that, that we had given her that gift. Um, the other really um, strange thing that happened over and over again, um, Bobby would pray the night before that the people would come who needed the glasses we had. And at first that sounded a little odd for me, but, but and I've used the word odd like four times because we had a bag of odds. That's what we called them. They were the odds. And they were the glasses that had different prescriptions in each eye, had weird astigmatism, don't ask me to tell you what that means, but um, had all kinds of weird things about them. And we would come in and I would see the prescription and how it was so different in two eyes. And I'd be like, there's no way. We're never gonna have that prescription. And Bobby would look through the box of odds and, and um, she has the amazing ability to convert prescriptions and, and figure out what glasses people need. And time after time after time, we would find those glasses out of those that we took. So um, God was just so, so present. Um, the other blessing I experienced um, was that the team of people that I was with, I mean, these were just the most amazing, godly people that I've ever had the honor of being with. I've been a, a part of a lot of teams over my life, and I've never seen a team like this pulled together have one goal, put their egos aside, and worked hard. And miracles happened because we were all working towards the same goal. And I see that as what we could do at Woodmont. If we all pull together, that God will work miracles because together we're so much stronger than anything one person could do. I was also blessed with amazing friendships. I met people who've been in this church for several years I've never met before. Um, and I think we had every generation from uh, the teens to the 80s um, on this trip. And um, we all got along so well, especially w there were 10 women sharing one toilet. If you don't think that's a challenge, that, but we had a lot more mirrors than that, and that's what's important. <laughs> but um, so we, we had enough mirrors, we didn't have to fight. But um, so what does this all mean for me? Um, I have bought some Spanish software. I think I need more than hola. And, um, and I, I want to learn. Um, I'm helping Bobby to collect glasses. I have 
Over the past years, I've known Bobby did this ministry, but I've never brought any of my glasses into the church. But we need readers, we need prescription glasses, even if they're weird. If they, you think there is no way with two different eyes people are going to ever need these, God will use them. Um, we need cases. And um, sunglasses are like gold there. They're such a luxury. So don't toss your old sunglasses. Bring them to us. Bring them into the church or Bobby or me. And I want to help Bobby this year. It's, it's got to be a huge task to sort and clean and do everything she has to do with 600 pair of glasses. But I also realize more than what I'm going to do. I hope I get invited to go to the mission trip again. What and I realize that I can pray every day because there are people here who need our help. And there are people here who need to know about Jesus. And um, I don't have to wait until next year to go on a mission trip to be able to help people, to show the love of Christ, and ask for opportunities to share, to share the salvation story. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jessica Bure. Um, I went on this mission trip and just really enjoyed all of it. It was such a blessing to and an honor to get to go and serve the people of Guatemala City. Um, a few of the things that I loved about the trip were the food, number one. Um, I, I'm a very picky eater. I thought it was going to be a rough week, <laughs> but the food was amazing. So if you're ever thinking about going but not sure about whether or not to go, if that's a factor, just, just don't worry about that. <laughs> um, just the people of Guatemala were what I enjoyed the most. Um, on, like, on Sunday morning of that week, we went to church um, at Macedonia Baptist, and uh, it was just such a blessing to be able to witness people of different languages, different ethnicities, being able to sing together songs. And while we were singing English, they were singing Spanish. We didn't really know the words on the screen all the time, but... It was just, I mean, you knew what the message of that song was, and you knew that everybody was worshiping our Lord all together. And it was, it was kind of a preview of like what heaven may be like when we get up there and everybody is singing in unison. Um, at night, we would have um, a devotion at the end of each day before we went to bed, and that was just one of the most touching things to me as well. It just helped to grow my faith a lot as a Christian, getting it to hear about everyone else's experiences um, throughout the day and hear how God had worked through everybody. And one thing Nathan would ask each night is, where did you see God today? And hearing everyone's different responses, it was just amazing to witness the work that he had done through everybody. Um, when I think about what may have impacted me most about this trip, uh, first, it, I would say it was the gratitude of the people that we saw. Um, these people, not and not all of them, but most of them do not have very much at all. And they were just so thankful for whatever we could give to them or do for them. And I would, um, well, I should back up. I'm, my role, Carlos asked me to tell my role. I was one of the nurse practitioners seeing patients in the medical clinic. And so when we saw these people and I just knew, you know, they need this, this, and this, but we don't have all of that. All we can give you is this. And I felt, you know, kind of guilty, like, oh, I need to be able to do so much more for them. But they were just so appreciative of whatever you could give them and do for them. Um, another thing that struck me was their faith. Um, many of them just, many of them were Christians, not all of them, but a lot that we saw did say that they were Christians. And just the faith that they had, it was just mind-blowing. 
they, um, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some of them had already been, had given med, been given medical care already, so they kind of knew what conditions they may have had wrong, and some of them just wanted to come in and have us pray for them, that maybe their blood pressure would stay under control or their blood sugars would stay under good range. And um, that was just a blessing to witness the faith that they had where they just truly depend on God for their every need. Um, it was that childlike faith that we should all strive to have. And that impacted me by seeing, you know, that's a good reminder that I don't have to have it all together all the time. I really do need to depend on the Lord for to meet my every need and not just wait until something bad happens and life can change in an instant um, and then we really do have to depend on him to meet our every need but we need to start exercising that faith now. Um, when I think about what was the biggest moment of the trip for me, it was when I had the opportunity to lead someone, um, a woman to Christ. Um, I had never done that before and I'm kind of ashamed to say that, I should have by now. But I had just never, I've prayed for people as they've been led to Christ and prayed that other people would be saved, but I had never personally had the opportunity one-on-one -on -one to lead someone to Christ. So we had this woman come into the clinic and she didn't really tell me much. She was kind of quiet and shy and just didn't want to talk a lot. And so after checking her out physically and determining that nothing was physically wrong with her, we decided to talk about her heart. and. Um, it was very apparent that she was very sad and lonely and just felt broken from what we could tell. Um, so after that, I started telling her about Jesus and the love that he has for her and the sacrifice that he made for her. And I wish everyone could have seen the response of this woman when she just started crying tears of joy that hearing that someone loves her and cares about her and died for her, it was just unreal. Um, so after that, I prayed with her, and um, she accepted Christ into her heart that day. And that was just the most genuine, real experience I think I've ever had. And um, that would just, you know, reminded me right there that there, or the chance to do missions is everywhere. It's not just in Guatemala or a foreign country. There's people that are just as sad and lonely and broken right here in Nashville. And it was a great reminder that all we have to do is get out and you know look for those people and look ask God for opportunities to meet those people and how to help them and minister to them and grow his uh, kingdom. Um, and this is just kind of on a side note, it's not really related, but I thought this was very, kind of strange when, when I was praying that with that woman in that moment, I, my brain just went blank. I mean, and I've been raised in church my entire life, went to vacation Bible school every year that I was a kid, like, have known about Jesus from the day I was born. So it was strange to me that in that moment that I have a chance to help somebody come to know God, that in that moment I just couldn't think. And um, I thought of John 3.16, of course, and that's the only thing I could remember at that, that to begin with, so I told her about that. But then afterward, I was still trying to lead her through prayer, and I kept thinking, what, what am I supposed to say? And all that could come to my mind was a little felt wallet that I had made when you're in vacation Bible school that said ABC. And it was like a cowboy or Western theme. And the, so that's why we had the little wallets. But the message of it was um, the steps to salvation, ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that, God, that, believe that Jesus is God's son, died and rose again for us. And see, confess your sins and commit your life to Christ. And that's all I could think of. And so those, that's what I started going by to walk her through that prayer. And so I just want to say, as a side note, all of you people who are working with our children and the youth, 
keep it up because even though I couldn't, I mean, even though those teachers may not have ever seen the effects of that work that they did in vacation Bible school 20 years ago, however long that was, it came back, you know, many years later and it made a difference in someone else's life. So I just want to commend all the teachers that really work with their children to make a difference in their lives. Um, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Steve Newton was the hardest part of the trip. You know, I can't think of anything that was it. Probably the travel part was probably the most difficult. It was stressful uh, not having not having tickets uh, when we were supposed to, or not having records of tickets when we were supposed to get up to the counter to leave. And uh, that was probably the most difficult part for me was just dealing with that part of the travel, both in San Juan, in, in San Martin, each way, and in and Dominica when we were returning. My name is Jim Myers. My takeaway is the power of prayer. Uh, we had a lot of issues coming into the trip that we were unsure of, and uh, we had everyone here at, at uh, Woodmont praying for us. Uh, my church back home, you know, texted me if the pastor texted me a few times, told me he was praying for me. My mom's Sunday school class was praying for us, um, and so uh, everything worked out. God um, had a plan, and everything panned out the way we. My favorite part of the week was uh, seeing the local Dominicans uh, worship in their church uh, on Sunday morning and um, on Wednesday night Bible study. Um, that, was, that was my favorite part. I think I want other people to know about the need and how maybe urgent the need is. I mean, it's a community that's severely lacking economic resources. Uh, and so I think having the communication with the team in the states and being able to provide supplies or at least uh, logistics for supplies really helps. My favorite thing from the week was probably just getting to spend time with the local church members late at night. We'd all just play games and cards and uh, share in fellowship, eat some great local food. So I think that was probably my favorite part. Most of the uh, houses were completely destroyed uh, just a year ago and, and most of them have not been um, rebuilt. Well, I'd like for others to know just that God's hand was on us. I mean, we were facing a lot of adversity going into this. I mean, the, the, the travel was very difficult. And then we were facing the possibility of a hurricane. And we just kept step, making one step of faith each uh, uh, each step along the way. And, and each time that was affirmed. And that's kind of the way we approached it on everything that we did. And, and, that, and that was just uh, something that I think everybody could take something from that, from the trip.
think my favorite thing of the week was uh, was just seeing how, how how we blended together as a team. Everybody brought something to the team that made the whole team better, and that we were all better as a whole than we would have been individually. Uh, it was just neat to see uh, when there was a need, that need got filled. I think it just shows how powerful the will of God is, and the work that being done when people come together, both in His will and his willing to do his work, so. I think the difference that the trip made in my life is just showing how much we can give back to others, um, not only through our actual work that we did, but just sharing in fellowship and sharing the word of Christ. And I think just the local time, the times we, the downtime that we had, just sharing stories and hearing what they had been through, both through the hurricane and just life, um, was more of a, you know, spoke to me almost more than just the actual building that we did. I didn't really know what to expect for my first mission trip. Uh, I think I had, uh, you know, just prayed that it would go smoothly and that was all you really asked for in those types of situations and I think it was everything but smooth at points, but I think we had a great team, there was a great local team and I think we couldn't have asked for a better success for you know, what we knew going in. What kind of difference uh, did, did I make or did we make? Uh, uh, like any trip, uh, you know, I, I think we accomplished some things that really helped some people and, 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 and made a difference in some people's lives there. And uh, I think we were able to touch some people there as part, as part of the church that, that can have a lasting kind of impact. Uh, but I think also that the difference that was made was on me. You know, it's kind of a two-way street when you go on these mission trips. And so uh, uh, I think that looking at, uh, at how I'm, I've been impacted by being part of it, and that's, that's a big difference so that, that, uh, uh, that I think we can always take from these, uh, from these trips. Let's see, the craziest hurricane story I heard was um, about a girl named Elisa. She explained the night that the storm hit and how she was hiding under her mattress. Uh, yet, at some point, the water was so high that it, it was causing her to float, so she couldn't even really hide on the mattress anymore. Uh, and I think the aftermath of the hurricane is what surprised me the most. They mentioned about how bright and how strong the sun was afterwards. It felt like everything was burning. Um, and they said the local landscape just looked like it had been scorched. Um, so I just, that's not something I had naturally thought of when I thought of a hurricane. So uh, I think that was probably also a pretty interesting detail. of expecting to play the video after I got done talking, so it's kind of messed me up just a little bit. Um, I want to introduce myself. I'm Trevor Prather, and you know, everybody gets up here. Rachel gets up here and says, you know, children's minister, and you know, Nathan gets up here and says he's a pastor, so I want to give you my title, okay? 
And if life were to be like an app and you were to have an, a title in there, my title would have been Sinner. My title would have been Not Perfect. My title would have been Makes Mistakes. But before I put that online, I hit the Save by Grace button, uploaded my profile and turned it over to Jesus. And Jesus made a couple little edits to it. So now it says, Sinless Sinner. Oh, that's pretty good, a very nice upgrade, I like it. Uh, then the second one, Being Made Perfect. Okay, that's good, that's good. And the third one, Still Makes Mistakes. Thank God for grace. Uh, on this trip, I did not plan to go on this mission trip. I had other plans. Uh, I don't know if they got it to put it up on the screen. I was very bad about getting this all together, but Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you," says the Lord, "thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end." I had created some plans. My plan was not to go on the mission trip. My plan was to go to Colorado with some friends, to go hiking, to go camping. That was my plan. And sitting in a men's breakfast, uh, I think it was Steve was talking about the mission trip. And there God was, God goes, Trevor, that's for you. Uh, you know, and I'm a mature Christian by now. So I was like, I got this, you know, I know this. Yes, but, you know, that's how I answered it. Yes, but, I had a button there. Yes, but, I have this trip planned. And this is not the trip that I wanted. The trip that I wanted was to go hiking. The trip that I wanted was to go camping. Yes, but, and God said, no, 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 but. My but was the trip was planned. So what happens? One of the guys I was going with said, you know what, I don't think I'm going on the trip anymore. And the plan was canceled. See, God had a plan for me that he wanted me to go on this trip. During the week, one of the things, I think it was Calvin asked us for a word, a word of the week, or a word of the day. And my word was trust. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That was the kind of trust I was thinking of. And the trip was a little bit crazy. First, we get there and we fly, not a problem. We land in San Juan. And we go see the old fort. We have a great time. We go to bed. We get up the next morning, decide to get to the airport just a little bit early, not go do what our normal plans were, get a little bit early and get there because we wanted to make sure that we were going to get our flights, get, all, get, get it all set up. And we get there and they said, you don't have a flight. You don't have a flight. Steve says, we got a ticket. And they said, not in our system, you don't. We sat there for, I don't know, had to be over three hours trying to get a ticket, trying to get it figured out, trying to make it in time for the flight that first they said didn't even exist. And then they said, well, there isn't even a plane going there. And we sat there and had to trust that God had us where he wanted us to be, that his plans were where he wanted us to be, and that was right there. It was real interesting to see once we did get there one of the uh, first things, we get there, we're all sitting around, kind of decomposing. We got there really late, kind of chilling out. We're talking to Paul, and he says, one of you guys are going to speak tomorrow and give the sermon. And we all look at him like, you're crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. We left our pastor at home. 
everybody just kind of sat there for a minute, quiet, and uh, no one answered, and we, we decided, well, well, we'll find somebody. We'll find somebody who can do it. We'll find somebody who can give that sermon. And the next mor morning, Asha came over. Uh, he's a pastor at La Plaine Baptist, and he said, he said, uh, who's going to speak? And I said, look, I don't speak. I don't do well in front of people in groups. I don't, I don't speak. That's not me. And God said, that's you. That's you. I have something I want you to say. I don't speak. I don't speak. So we told him, no, no, no. And Asha said, I'll flip over here really quick. In 1 Peter 3, 5, 3, 15, he said, from that, he said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is within you. Well, there went my excuse. There went my yes, but, because I had a yes, but. Yes, but I'm not a good speaker. Yes, but I can't do that. God said, no, 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 always be prepared. So I still didn't want to do it. Sunday morning came along and Steve said, you know what, I got this, I can do it. And God sat there the whole time. No, I told you, you're going to speak. No, God, he's got it. He said he had it. I asked him, he said he had it. No, you're going to speak. So I told Steve, you know what, Steve? I think I got something I want to share. And so I got up there and I shared as well. And it was kind of my second word for the week. My second word for the week was comfort. Not as in be comfortable, because that was not comfortable. It was in step out of my comfort zone and into God's comfort, which is really what that trip was all about. That was the first time I'd been out of the country. That was my first mission trip. It was stepping out of a lot of comfort zone for me. The final verse that I wanted to leave you guys with was 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so as is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized in one body, whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink in one spirit. We went over there, you guys sent us. Um, I say, you sent, we went, and God's work was done. And we went over there to see our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And the interesting thing for the trip for me was I loved going on the trip, and I loved doing the work, but it was getting to spend the time with my brothers here from Woodmont. And there was something each one taught me while I was there. And it bothers me that I had to go there to learn it, because I feel like I should have learned it here. But I got to watch as Steve, when we had no tickets, when we had troubles galore, when we were told, you're not going to make it, Steve sat there and calmly told them, I have tickets, and what can we do? And how do we fix this? And what can we do to solve this problem? Where, I'm sorry, I would have been like, I got tickets, I need this plane now. Steve showed me that it doesn't take that, that it, with humility and that with grace and that with mercy, he worked through getting those tickets. It was funny, Jim Myers, the whole trip, I watched him build the house. I'm over here like taking drinks from the water fountain. We, ha we had a little spring spigot and I loved it. I'm sitting here taking drinks from the spring spigot, Jim's working. I'm over here snapping pictures, Jim's working. The whole time, Jim showed me how to be a faithful servant and how to work. And it was amazing. And that's Jim Myers. And then there was Jim Bray. And 
it's kind of funny to me. We put the shortest guy up on the ladder. If you watch the video, he's up on the ladder like 90% of the time, up and down, up and down. And him and Jim Myers put probably about 80% of the siding on that house. Never once did I hear him complain. Never once did I ask, hear them say, well, I want to do something different, or I don't like doing this, or anything else. They completed that task without fail. Uh, Calvin. Without Calvin, I guarantee you, that house would not have got completed. I got to watch him lead the team, to direct the team, to show how to use the resources properly to get the job done. It was amazing to learn the new things that he taught us about how to build. I have some building in my background and I still learned a ton from him. Uh, Robert, uh, he was telling us he shouldn't be up on that roof, but he did it anyway. He got up there and got right up there with one of the guys. He got up there and showed us by example, he led, this is how you do it. He didn't say, well, I have the way to do it. I know the better way. I know how to make this work out correctly. Didn't do that at all. He said, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Where do you want me? And he did it. Didn't matter if it was up on the roof or if it was down putting a door or a window, where it was, he was just there to do it. And then Rob was amazing. We, had, we started out the week a little bit crazy. Everybody was trying to figure out what we were doing, where we were going, and how we were going to make it happen. And we were very disorganized and didn't have a plan, and it was going bad fast. And Rob came to me and said, hey, you know, we should pray about this. We should get this together. He refocused the trip. I grabbed the other guys, and I said, come on, guys, we're going to pray about this. And we prayed, and it refocused the trip, and it brought it to where it needed to be, and it brought God right into the trip where he should have been in the first place, where we missed it was amazing to watch as, as Rob taught me about keeping the focus on God. It's not building a house. It's not about going over to Dominica. It's not. It's about God. The whole trip was about God. We are just there doing some work while we were there. With that, I just want to leave you that I thank you for sending me. I thank you that you guys go on missions because while I went, you guys went with me. And I think you saw that from the video, that that was your guys' work. That was you guys, you who built that house. And I thank you for that. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, what can happen when we trust that the Lord is in charge, when we trust in His perfect provision and sovereignty and power. And then when we obey, when we surrender all of our objections, all our but gods, and then we go where he sends us. That's incredible. Thank you, church, for sending these teams, for supporting the work of missions. I hope that we continue to do more and more around the world for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, we've been talking all month long throughout July about fellowship and what it means for us to have koinonia among our congregation, to, to be many parts but one body. This was a great illustration of that. I know our team of 19 in Guatemala and the team of seven in Dominica experienced koinonia in a powerful way because they had to. And like Lynn said, if we will become one body of many parts working together, there's no limit to what the Lord can do through us. 
Our staff's been doing some visioning and some planning this week, and we looked at the Bible to see what the church should be. And the, the metaphor that kept coming up over and over again in Scripture for the church was the body of Christ. The body. We are the body of Christ on earth. This means that we serve now as the, the physical representation of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. And what we've seen and heard here this morning is an amazing example of the body of Christ going, being sent, like Trevor said, and serving others, advancing his kingdom, bringing light to dark places. This is what it looks like when the, the body of Christ steps out in faith and trust and obeys. Here at this table this morning now, we're going to celebrate the literal body of Christ that was broken for us over 2,000 years ago in order to make us here now in 2018 the body of Christ on earth. As Christ's body, we are to be now a conduit of God's blessing, of God's provision in the world. In John chapter 6, the Gospel of John, it's actually today's Gospel reading in the lectionary, we, we see the miracle of Jesus feeding the crowd of, of 5,000. You know, this crowd has been following Jesus for, for many days, and, and they're desperate for a word of truth from Jesus. They're desperate for healing. They want to see a miracle. And they had nothing to eat, of course, and all of a sudden it's supper time, and, and Jesus knows what he's going to do. He has a plan. He sees a boy who has a lunch with him of five loaves and two fish, and he decides that that is enough. But before he uses that to feed the crowd, he decides to test his disciples to see if they really trust in his power and his ability to feed the crowds. John chapter 6 verse 5 says, lifting up his eyes then, Jesus saw that a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that, that these people may eat? He said this to test him because Jesus himself knew what he would do. Isn't that interesting? He's basically saying to Philip, hey, you need to feed these people. What are you going to do? And of course, Philip says, there's no way we can feed these people. Look at the next verse, verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. That's about six months wages would not be enough to get them a little bit of food. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Do you see the parallel here with mission? Do you see the parallel here with the Lord's Supper? Just as Jesus takes the bread, just as he blesses the bread, just as he breaks the bread and gives the bread to the hungry who were gathered on that hillside in Galilee, so he does with us. He takes us, blesses us, breaks us and gives us as his continuing 
embodied presence in the world today. We are set apart now to be bread for the world in mercy broken. Because God has nourished us in Christ, we are now able to draw others into a life of thanksgiving and eternal praise. Taking part in communion, the Lord's Supper, is also the perfect way to end a series on fellowship. We've been talking about how koinonia means that we must now welcome one another for the glory of God. We no longer shun our brothers and sisters in Christ because we are all part of the same family now. We belong to the same family unit in Christ. You know, when I was young, I would always spend my Christmases in southeast Texas in a little town called Port Arthur, just outside of Beaumont, about an hour and a half east of Houston, close to the Louisiana border. It's Cajun country. And my mom and my aunt and my grandma would always make a big pot of shrimp creole on Christmas Day. And the, the table was set beautifully with a white linen tablecloth like this and fine china. And, and the adults would sit around the white tablecloth, but of course, us kids sat at the kids' table, which was a little card table, which was about 50 years old and falling apart over in the corner. And it, honestly, there wasn't enough room at the adult table, but we were never able to sit at the adult table with the fine china. And the truth is just because there wasn't enough room. But at this table this morning here, at the table of our Lord, there is room for all who are in Christ, young or old, new believer or seasoned disciple, all races, all background, all are one now in Christ Jesus. All who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and who have professed faith in him are welcome to take part in this meal. Fellowship is really all about communion, right? Having union together both with God and with one another. Here at this table this morning, not only do we remember what Jesus endured for our sake, but I also read somewhere recently that Jesus also remembers us. He remembers us. I mean, he puts the members of his body back together, back into the places that they should go. I was visiting with one of our senior adults last week who had fallen and, and, and broken her, her collarbone and, and dislocated her shoulder, and she had to have surgery. And our own Ed Glenn, who's up there in the balcony this morning, did, did surgery on her shoulder and put it back where it goes properly in order that it may function appropriately with her neck, her back, her arm, that it all would work together properly. That's what Jesus does to us at this table this morning. He remembers us as we remember him. He puts us back, body, mind, and soul, where we should be in order that we may play our part on the team, that we may be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we each have a crucial part to play as we relate to the other members of the body. You know, the Bible says that we should first examine ourselves before we take communion. So we're going to have a time now. The, the organ and piano are going to play. As, as our deacons come forward now, they're going to pass out the elements. We invite you again, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, to, to take an element as it comes around to you and hold it. We'll take it together after a while. But first, let's pray a prayer of examination. And I invite you all to examine your own heart and your own soul. Oh Lord God, 
You are high and exalted over all the earth. You are in control of the storm as we hear testimony about Maria, the hurricane that did so much damage. We know that you are sovereign and that somehow you are working all things for your glory and for our good. Lord God, we thank you for the work that you've done in Guatemala for 136 lives that have moved from death to life now, that now have the eternal hope of glory in their souls forever. We thank you for tears of repentance, for tears of joy, for tears of newfound hope and love and acceptance into the body of Christ. God, we thank you for lives that were shown the gospel in action by those who built their, ha their houses. Lord, I pray that as we come to this table this morning, that you would help us to trust and obey. Help us to hear the knock that Trevor heard and to trust that you have a plan for us. May you make us one as the teams had to be one in these third world countries. That you would knit us together at Woodmont Baptist Church where we would get to know each other where we would love each other in ways that support and heal and encourage. We have so many people in this church who need that, oh Lord. We just pray that you would enable us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to each other and to our world. May you start with each one of us, oh Lord, this morning. Touch our hearts as we remember the work that you did for us on the cross in order to make us one body May you also remember us. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.